In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents Donald Trump was a, a stain on our country. I am someone's daughter, too. That's what I'm so help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Suck Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, and welcome to the Betches Suck Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman, and if it's Tuesday, I am here with Elise Morales and Millie Tamaras. And we're going to break down this first Tuesday of the Biden administration. I feel like this is the last day we can say it's been a, it's our last first full day. So I really want to yes. just bask in it. It still feels like the inauguration was longer than a week ago. Like yeah. I can't, I know it's at this point in COVID like hack to talk about how time feels like nothing, but the fact that the inauguration was only a week ago feels yeah. very crazy to me. I feel like so much has happened, like even politically, mm-hmm. um, in this past week, and and the debate has shifted so much from like, you know, mm. insurrection to like <laughs> all this other stuff. So it's just like, yeah, it has been. It, it feels crazy, which yeah. is wild because the insurrection still happened, and like we still have to deal with it, and like we're yeah. still impeaching him. Yeah. And yeah. it, wasn't, it hasn't even been a month since that shit. Not by a long shot. That was no, just like two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't Which, believe that happened sometimes. I know. Well, some Republicans in Congress are already acting like, really? Is it that big of a deal? It was two weeks ago. And we talked about yesterday how that's like why there was so much urgency right immediately after, right? It's like we have to yeah. do this quick because we knew this would happen that I guess I guess the statute of limitations on a deadly siege of, the, of a nation's capital is two weeks. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess it's good to know that if you get attacked by a mob <laughs> and they try to kill you and you have to be like brought underground with a bunch of your colleagues, it takes you like two weeks to get over it and like you don't really care. Right. <laughs> I can't wait to tell my therapist that that it only yeah, takes exactly. two weeks to overcome a trauma. Yeah, you get uh, ghosted, it takes a couple months. Deadly siege on the Capitol, give it two weeks. Yeah, twenty-four hours for some people, <laughs> depending on how scared you were that they were that they didn't know who you were. <laughs> If they specifically called for your hanging, it might take a bit longer. Yeah. I don't know, because it did take Pence 24 hours to get over it. If they specifically called for your hanging. So to that, I disagree, Amanda. (laughs) Where we agree to disagree. Fair enough. Fair enough. This is how we keep our minds open on the podcast. (laughs) So today we're going to talk a little bit more about that sudden amnesia about the insurrection and whether there should be consequences. And then we're going to spend a bulk of the show talking about Mitch McConnell's efforts to hold the Senate hostage, even after he got demoted. Talk about that big shift in the political conversation that Millie was talking about. And we'll also discuss some of these procedural rules the Senate is considering to get shit done. We've gotten a lot of requests to talk about budget reconciliation and the filibuster, which is great. I thought people found that boring, but I'm down. We can talk yeah. about it. So yes, we'll we'll break do down know all that. About that. <laughs> yes. I am an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Millie. 
<laughs> so yesterday we briefly mentioned that Josh Hawley. So yesterday we briefly mentioned Josh Hawley's front page accusation of censorship. He seemed <laughs> <laughs> he seemed irritated by the jarring concept of facing consequences for your actions. And now Republicans are more broadly screaming cancel culture as the House officially transmits the article of impeachment to the Senate. Of course, we've said this before, and we're not the first people to say it. This mob tried to cancel all of their lives. <laughs> Representative Matt Getz, who is literally flying to Wyoming to cancel a member of his own party. Have you seen this? Matt Getz is going, we talked about this yesterday, is going to Wyoming for an anti-Liz Cheney rally. Really? Yes. He doesn't have anything else he should be working on? Not impeachment because he called it the zenith of cancel culture yesterday. Oh, right. What about, uh, you know, the global pandemic that is killing a 9-11's worth of people every day? I know. That we don't have enough is the zenith of being a dumbass. So <laughs> like, he does look like butthead. I really do think he has a he giant does. head. He does have a giant head. Like I really truly do think he doesn't wear a mask because there's no way one fits comfortably on his face. <laughs> <laughs> but you're in the Congress, we can get you a custom mask. Oh yeah. You could go on Etsy. Look, <laughs> there's and then that'll be in that little cursive font with your new engaged fiance. Yeah, exactly. Just go to like big and tall mask Etsy. And you'll be fine. But he is trying to cancel a member of his own party. So, I mean, I'm just curious how holding insurrectionists accountable became cancel culture in a matter of weeks. How did this happen so fast? It's all they have. Like, I think that they're really scrambling. There are people who are in the Senate who are more like reasonable, thoughtful Republicans. And they're going to do this dance of like, we can't impeach someone after they've, it's a procedural issue. Like we can't impeach someone after they've already left office. So the like quote unquote respectable ones are going to do that. And then the crazy ones like Matt Gates are just going to say cancel culture, even though like, obviously that's, it like obviously does not apply to um, like people who broke the law facing legal repercussions for their actions that's not what cancel culture even is and i you know this is something you know this is super super nuanced online but this is something that i've been noticing like is that there's been an appropriation or like a co-opting of progressive language by right-wing movements and trying to like equal it out you know what i mean and it's just like not, it's not that you can't use like cancel culture or like all this other things that like these progressive movements and like movements that are fighting for the rights of gay people, black people are using to like define society now are being co-opted by these extremely right wing movements that are like, well, you see, it happens to us too. And it's just like, no, it's exactly what Elise is saying. It's not. No, you have to have legal consequences for your action. That is not cancel culture. And to be honest, cancel culture doesn't even exist really. Season three of Master of None is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Louis C.K. is still making jokes at a microphone and people let them. And Elise, you said that like cancel culture, it's evolved to mean something beyond just being accountable for your actions and not mm. being entitled to certain things if you are an asshole. But there was a time where there was sort of like a middle space between people using it, maybe even in good faith, like at its fundamental meaning, if you boil it down, it's like some JK Rowling 
maybe should be canceled. The cancel yeah. culture around her is legitimate and makes sense. And then we got to like, then we got these like weird intermediaries, like the Glenn Greenwalds and people that claim to be like sort of on the progressive wing that started saying, oh no, this has gone too far. And I feel like that was the perfect ramp for Republicans to co-opt yes. it and take it. It's like, well, we're just saying, you guys said it's gone too far. We're just highlighting how far it's gone. I'm not saying anyone's like at fault for that evolution, but it's definitely been the idea that you should be held accountable for your actions and that cancellation is due to some people and that they don't deserve a platform is like totally legit. Yeah, it actually, it, I literally just pulled this up because it made me think about this tweet from Dylan Marin. And I think about it all the time whenever yes, yes. talking about cancel culture. So I pulled it up. This tweet is from Dylan Marin. He's a very funny comedian. At Dylan Marin is his at. Anyway, the tweet says, cancel culture is an imprecise term that falsely groups th together three real but separate things, justified criticism, unnecessary pylons, and mob mentality. And I think that that so, like, sums it up so much. And so whenever we're having these conversations about cancel culture, I feel like we miss each other because some people are talking about justified criticism mm -hmm. and some people are talking about a mob mentality and they're actually two different things. And I feel like even now, <clears throat> and as we're talking about it in the case of Republicans or JK Rowling, it's like we're adding on that other layer of consequences of like, yes, there's justified criticism of like, you know, somebody's thing or we didn't like it or whatever, but there's also like, yeah, you know what? If you say that trans people are not people or whatever, you're gonna, people are not gonna buy your book as much or not wanna support you, but that's yeah. the consequence of what you said. Exactly. It's like you, in the case of JK Rowling, and everyone knows that I'm a huge Harry Potter person, I've been very personally saddened by her behavior. But in her case, it's like, you wrote a book series that was actually about like acceptance. You wrote a book series that appealed to a lot of the LGBTQ community that appealed to people who were on the margins of society, people who were outcasts. And then you turn around and like betray the fundamental ideals of that in such a huge way and do it over and over and over again, become an activist on the issue. Yeah. You're going to lose some of your fan base because like, Harry Potter fans, I would say, are a pretty, like, liberal, progressive bunch because that's actually, like, a lot of what's in the books and mm -hmm. what the takeaway of those books are. So mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, if you betray that in a massive way by coming out against, like, one of the most marginalized groups in society, maybe people aren't going to watch your new HBO Max show, hun. Yeah, that's and why it is. It's very funny to think about Matt... Matt gets saying it about Donald Trump. It's like, this is what's going to, you can't, you're canceling Donald Trump, sir. He is canceled. He was canceled a long time ago. This is not like, oh no, if this goes through, Donald Trump is finally canceled. He's canceled. But it's also like, you're not entitled to power. You're not entitled That's to it. fan. Right. You're not entitled to adoration. You're not entitled to shit. You know, you got to like earn it and keep it. And if you're not, do you know, like, if you're not doing what you got to do to keep it, yes, that's not everyone else's fault, right? That's if you fault. if you're trying to help the president with a deadly coup, Bed Bath and Beyond is not going to sell your pillows. Yeah, exactly. that's it. Mike that's Lindell, it. Thank Mike Lindell. You. For a guy named My Pillow Guy, I do not know how he sleeps at night. He was suspended there from Twitter. <laughs> I just can't believe that, like, there's this guy called the My Pillow guy that we have to like know about because he's 
was like had the ear of the president for a time like that. I'm still not over that. He, he ran the So this guy, Mike Lindell, I assume he's a billionaire because he created, I don't even know what the, my pillow is. It's just, a, is it a pillow? It's is a it pillow. a body pillow? Like, is it, yeah. Does anyone know if it's a good <laughs> pillow? I heard that it's not. I have read that it's not a good pillow. To bring you up to date, who Mike Lindell is, of course, as we mentioned, he's the My Pillow guy, but he also ran the Republican Party in Minnesota and was sort of bouncing around the idea of a gubernatorial run before this election and before he basically tried to help the president coup. He was basically the last person, along with Rudy Giuliani, to try to make this happen, even after the deadly insurrection at the Capitol. Speaking of Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor. Dominion Voting Systems is suing Rudy Giuliani for $1.3 billion, alleging he defamed them, as he did when claiming mass voter intervention. Uh, these machines were, worked perfectly. $1.3 billion is so funny. It's hilarious. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. I, 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 I cannot think of anything more American than <clears throat> somebody getting sued. I want all of the insurrectionist people to get sued by Dominion voting. I think they all should. Like, if we're not going to hold them accountable, like, in the Senate, which it's not looking likely, if they're not going to get fucking kicked out or whatever, they all need to get sued hard by this fucking voting system. Like, you cannot talk shit about me. They are not fucking around, and I love it. They are pissed. They're pissed. Like, they <laughs> truly, like, Dominion voting's attitude is, like, your first mistake was saying my fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the restaurant that like responds to the Yelp reviews. Like, hi, yes! Karen. So sorry you didn't enjoy your time here. Let me like explain to you what happened. And then they just like rip them a new <laughs> Well, sometimes, yeah. But I would say it's the restaurants that are justified in it. You yeah, know, agree, 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 like, agree. Hard agree. Sometimes it's the elite Yelpers that come in and they're like, Oh, fuck them. Yelper. I, I don't have need a reservation and you're going to give me free food or I'm going to give you a bad review. Even though they walked in knowing that they're going to give a fucking bad review anyway. And then the things like, listen, we're a hard earned mom and pop shop. You will not fuck with me. I feel like, <clears throat> yeah, sue the pants off of Ted Cruz so he can't run for fucking president. Sue fucking Josh Hawley. Sue all these assholes. I didn't close your bitch. That's America. I love it. I think they should just create like a like a fund and everybody can support their litigation against. And that's just their presence now. It's like, oh, we started with like in 50 years, they'll be known for doing precisely this. And everyone will be like, why is it called Dominion Voting Systems, that company that just sues everyone? And then we'll tell them the tale. <laughs> yeah, but no, for real, it is like harming their business because probably people are like harming well, democracy, harming democracy. But they're probably like just from a capitalistic standpoint, like they're like okay, you're gonna, now people are not gonna want to use our voting systems and it works, so what the fuck? Well, and also, like, the people who work there and all, and, like, the CEOs and stuff were getting, like, crazy threats and shit from these, like, psychotic people who mm-hmm. a week, a month later are proven to be violent, beat a police officer to death to with death. a, like... Fire extinguisher. With a fire extinguisher. Like, these people were sent after them, you mm-hmm. know? Like... There are people, um, I've heard on, like, NPR, people who, like, ran the election board in certain places, people who worked for Dominion, whatever, who have had to, like, go into hiding and shit. It's no joke. Terrible, terrible, terrible. They should sue for $1.3 billion. Yeah, that shouldn't be a job where you're, like, scared for your life. Like, when you decide what you're going to do for a living, yeah, you're not 
I, I don't think it's a guy that's like, it seems like a risk averse trade that you're going to go into. And then you're like, you have to stay in your home with armed guards for a few weeks. Yeah. Like obviously the job of making voting machines is important, but these are like, same with the people who like worked in the election boards in like Pennsylvania and stuff where we were just counting the votes and were volunteers. Like, these are not political positions. These are mm-hmm, people right. who are just doing a job because that's their job. And like, you know, they don't need to be subject to violent abuse from people whose brains have been rattled by a crazy president. Mm-hmm. Um, people who've been exploited yeah. into thinking lies. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, when I worked poll working, like, super thankless like super important thankless and like i was lucky to be you know was in a a mostly like in a black neighborhood in new york city um and in a lot of ways it was like underfunded and all this other stuff and there's all these nuanced things but in a lot of ways like and it's still (laughs) like it still was hard yeah a lot of ways i'm like fuck if this was like a like a half Republican, you know what I mean, like a purple area, this shit would suck. Mm-hmm. Would suck, suck. You know what I mean. And also, too, I will say, like, really surprised that you know it was not a monolith at all. You know, there are still people voting for Trump, but for the most part, yeah. But I can't imagine like, and then like on top of how stressful and how whatever the, that job is to then be like we're gonna kill you it's like oh god like please yeah Man. Serious now that we've talked about it a lot 1.3 billion sounds like exactly yeah, what yeah. is owed yeah he knows. and he's not gonna be a lawyer either because exactly. he needs to be disbarred is that happening because he has to be disbarred i'm pretty sure it's in the process of happening and there's like not a lot of doubt about whether it will or not yeah, that I mean, that's a no yeah, brainer. Practice law. That's a no brainer. People Anyone have been disbarred for so that, much less. Sydney Powell, all of those people need to be disbarred. Yeah. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. 
You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So a number of the Republicans claiming that they've been canceled are currently in Congress and basically grinding any progress that could be made to a halt. So Democrats run Congress and the White House. They run both Mm -hmm. houses of Congress. They raised, I'm pretty sure, billions of dollars, right, to win the Senate, uh, record-breaking sums. 400 million, right? Yeah. The individuals raised just crazy amounts of money. Two Democrats won Georgia decisively. Yeah, we have a razor-thin margin in the Senate, but those were decisive wins. Our, Our Senate wins where we had them were decisive. And we maintained the House despite voter suppression and gerrymandering. 80 mm-hmm. million people voted for Joe Biden, the most people who've ever voted for a president, and who and he won by one of the largest majorities in history. So the reason I mention all of this is to say that this country told its elective representatives overwhelmingly, we choose you because we need help. You told us that, th- that this is what you were going to do to help us. So this is us saying you have a mandate to do that. And yet somehow here we are talking about numerous procedural shortcuts that the majority party can and probably will have to take to enact any legislation American voters have made very clear they want and need. This is a situation where I'm, I'm, I'm getting like, I'm already mad at Democrats. They haven't really done anything wrong yet. I'm just like, why are we even considering accommodating Republicans exactly. at all? I literally, I keep having to hold myself back too. And I'm like, don't get mad for I things know. that haven't happened. Exactly. Don't get mad when they haven't actually done the thing that you really think that they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're posturing or... I just think it's different. I, I'm just hoping that it's different. And from what I see, we're like, all just hoping. Yeah, we're all hoping that it's different. But I'm also seeing they do feel that pressure, and they are even the top ones are already like kind of mimicking. Like we're not going to make the same mistakes um, with Obama. I mean, I saw the Schumer interview on Rachel Maddow last night, and he's like, from where he's at, you know what I mean? It's not like he's like, we're going to work with Republicans on everything as much as we can, whatever. He's not starting from there. He's starting already from like, no, we're here to make change. We're going to do big, bold things. We're not going to let them get in the way. You know, and I think starting from there is already progress instead of like where they've started from in the past of like, well, let's try to get as many people on board and all this stuff. Like, I'm hopeful. Yeah, it does feel like we're in a sort of space now where Democrats are saying, we're absolutely going to move forward with some of these big moves that we're about to get into. We'll give them a minute to like come to terms with it and decide which wave they're going to ride along with us. But this is what we're going to do. It's a less like, 
oh my God, should we? Like when we talk about something like packing the courts, for instance, but we're talking about today budget reconciliation and the filibuster, which are two ways that the Democrats could theoretically get some legislation passed that could provide urgent relief to Americans and affect their agenda for the next you know, four years or, or two or six or how long we, we have any legislating power. So up until yesterday, Senator Mitch McConnell was refusing to transfer the power of the Senate to Democrats, which is, I guess, a fucking thing that can happen. I know. And I was like, that feels like something we should fix. It's like yeah. he got demoted. It wasn't like, you know, we're going to hire somebody alongside you to help you out. You guys no, work together. No, 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 no. You got demoted. People said no. Why are we accommodating him? So basically he was saying, we're not, I'm not going to hand over power and let you organize the Senate until you, Chuck Schumer, give me a written promise, like a little promise ring, that you will not undo the filibuster. As of last night, he apparently took that back and said, fine, we can organize the Senate. What this means is that Democrats will now chair committees and can get to the work of really getting going with this legislation. Did Mitch McConnell do this out of his goodness of his heart to begin the nation's business without delay? No, he just heard two Democrats say that they wouldn't get rid of the filibuster, which gave him cover to just say, all right, fine, they can't do it anyway, so I guess I can let them get to work. So today we're going to talk about some of the Senate rules that could make it pretty difficult for Democrats to do the job they were elected to do unless they're willing to be bold and take the mandate that, as we said, the American people gave them. So first, let's briefly address a term you've probably heard a lot this week, budget reconciliation. You've likely heard this in reference to Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus package. Republicans are balking at the size of the package, and this reluctance has prompted Democrats to consider passing it through budget reconciliation, which just means that they can do it with 50 votes instead of 60. The reason they can't pass it with 50 or 51 alone is because of the filibuster, which we will get to next. As the name suggests, budget reconciliation is a maneuver that's limited to legislation that involves spending and revenue. The Senate, over time, has adopted rules to prevent majorities from pursuing policy goals through budget reconciliation. So basically, it's that whatever you're deciding you're going to spend money on should only impact the deficit. And if there is a policy impact, that should be incidental. So for an example, for this reason, like parts of Biden's plan, like the $15 minimum wage, that could look like a democratic attempt to use budget reconciliation to pass through something that's more policy based that mm-hmm. think about something like healthcare that would have a different effect than just the deficit. So throughout the time that these rules have been in effect, uh, different parties in power have pushed how far they can take this and what they can justify as something that's only going to affect the deficit. But like the too long didn't read version is that they can basically try to move forward specifically COVID relief with 50 votes. Right now it looks like Biden's sort of saying, I kind of want Republicans to come around to this. Let's see if they will before we force it through with budget reconciliation. Bernie Sanders, who it looks like as of today, will chair the budget committee. He's ready to go. He's ready to go. He says, I'll do this. by I can do it by February 8th, which is the day before impeachment. Um, So we're in this sort of space where we're seeing if Republicans are going to come along with us. There's also potentially an option for Republicans and Democrats to produce a bipartisan bill that's limited to maybe like the checks or vaccines or something to make it just look like we had a great bipartisan push and then let Democrats do the rest through budget reconciliation. That's where we are with budget reconciliation. I just got to say, like, I guess I am like Republicans because I do like to block <laughs> at big packages. <laughs> That's a dick joke, my friends. For the political analysis. You and Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry. Uh, <laughs> I probably had a more interesting oh, no. You waited like three minutes for that. I did. That was like the first part of this. <laughs> I know. I know. And you know what? It paid off. Yes, it did. <laughs> the part um, of that that's so ridiculous is just because it's worth mentioning over and over again that the reason this package is so big is because we have a gaping hole. no yeah a gaping hole that they did not fill because the republicans were inadequate Mm -hmm. and there's really not more to be said than that (laughs) republicans have small dicks pass it on Um, do we think that there is any (laughs) pass it on is there any I guess my discussion questions are, why are we even having this conversation? Mm. I, it does seem like, like you said, Millie, Chuck Schumer seems like ready to go. Bernie's ready to go. Uh, it seems like they just want to give Republicans some space to catch up. But do you guys have, number one, any doubts of whether Democrats should push this through with 50 votes? And number two, if they should, will and should. I, I definitely think that they should. I think it's okay for... <laughs> I I understand Joe Biden's inclination to be like, I would like to give Republicans an opportunity to work with us on this. I think that for better or for worse, that's what Joe Biden promised Mm -hmm. getting into office as well. And so I feel like at least with this big thing, I understand why he, I think one, he genuinely, that is who he is. And number two, I understand why he feels the need to say something like that, given that that is the attitude that he ran on as Mm -hmm. like whether we personally on this podcast liked that attitude it is the attitude that he ran on but i think they should give them like a week yeah and and only if they're actually in good faith working on it like i think they should go to them and be like do you want to work on this and if they say fucking no then it's like okay well we're doing budget reconciliation but if they say yes (laughs) and we can do a bipartisan thing and get 60 votes on it and that is nice in our divided time. Okay, whatever. I just don't think that we should do anything that's going to slow down getting important aid to people. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I only think we should play ball if they've actually like shown up to the field, mm-hmm. you know? And like, it's not, it's, we shouldn't go coaxing them. They can, they can compromise yes. with us if they want to. Mm-hmm. And okay, good. Yeah, of course that's better but I don't think we should be waiting around for them to do stuff. Yeah, I agree. Like, I feel like, but again, acknowledging that I'm probably more progressive than a lot of people that voted for Biden and Biden and that, that I wanted to, I feel like we've done, the, the Republicans have done whatever they wanted. Like, I just keep going back to Amy Coney Barrett, yep. which has not even been six months since that's ha- the, since that's happened since they pushed her through in eight days or some crazy shit and like they that. did it because they knew that this mandate was coming because they saw it coming down the line and they actually knew that the american people did not want this and would not give them an opportunity to do something like that again exactly so part of me is like fuck them i don't even care if they fucking if they fucking whatever get on board or not like like at this point, they've done so many things that are not popular that serve no one but the one percent of their donors that like at this point, I'm like, fuck it. But I do understand why we're giving them an opportunity. And I feel like 
it has to come, there has to be some strong messaging of like, we're giving them an opportunity to join us. Yes. Not, we're going to wait and convince them and beg them and all that stuff. And, and I see that, like, again, I'm following politics. I'm listening to what they're saying. I see that that's the attitude. We're giving them an opportunity, but that's not what's like the messaging thing. It's like, oh, Democrats are folding or Democrats are being little bitches. Or, and in, in some ways they're not being as aggressive, whatever, but they're also not, you know, right. again, like at least I was saying, coaxing or being like, please sign that. They're just like, we're going to give you an opportunity to do the right thing, but they're not going to do the right thing because they're fucking Republicans. Right. Why give them an opportunity? Even though we know they might not come around, we're going to have to get this through through reconciliation reconciliation anyway why just do that right away and then let them say they didn't even talk to us they didn't even give us a chance to deliberate and they just went for it they're gonna love that that's exactly the talking point they want this is actually the i feel like this is the senate that mitch mcconnell loves i feel like he doesn't like being in the majority it's harder for him he has to do stuff like Mm -hmm. he's an obstructionist and it's much easier to get away with obstruction when your party's not in power because you just have Mm -hmm. to stop things and you're not accused for not actively making things happen. It's just incredible that we've adjusted this world order where Mitch McConnell is in charge when like he's literally not. What are you talking about? He would not hand over the reins. Like what were we going to do if he never did? I know, that's crazy. I'm like, that should not be how this can- I need more information. There should be like a date on that that's like, you have to pass it. Yeah. Yeah, people couldn't start chairing their committees and getting to work. add other shit in there. Like, come on now. And I wasn't really hearing much of that in the messaging about this. Like, I wasn't hearing people going on the Sunday shows going like, you realize they're not letting us even get to work while while there are two 9-11s a day. I wasn't hearing that messaging. But I, okay, Unity, we can, we'll give them a week. It hasn't even been a week. I'll tolerate the Unity message for a week. I'm really curious as to why he folded when he did. Because literally, like, Chuck Schumer kind of threatened him on the Rachel Maddow and was like, hey, if he doesn't sign it, we got something up our sleeve. And then Rachel's like, you want to tell me what that is? He's like, no, but we have something for him. Like, that's okay, literally what well, he that's said. very interesting. <laughs> yes, I know. Like, that's like, he literally, so they aired this thing. They aired this- That's why Maddow was trending this morning. I see. Okay. That's why Maddow. So he recorded this interview with Rachel Maddow and he's like, look, Mitch, like, we're not going to give in to him. He doesn't have any power. We're going to do big, bold change. If he doesn't do something, we're going to do something big. We're going to do something big, and we're not going to tell you what it is. And then it aired. And then during, while it aired, that's when the news broke. So Rachel had to shit. Exactly. Rachel was like, "Uh, so as we aired this, Mitch McConnell just came out and said that never mind, and he folded. So that's, that's why fascinating. I'm, what I'm do you think it was? I don't know. That's why I'm like, do you think like he got everybody to to agree to the fili- like breaking the filibusters? I don't know. Like, well, I, I yeah. for him and that's big. So I don't know. But I mean, Joe Manchin has always has been saying for weeks, I won't get rid of the filibuster. And then Kirsten Cinema came out and said the same thing. But even with Joe Manchin alone, it was going to be hard to get rid of. Yeah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, 
Good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So let's look ahead to legislation less directly related to spending, which is the filibuster. The filibuster has evolved to basically mean that it takes 60 votes for legislation to pass the Senate and get to the president's desk to become law. Before, like in the very early times, the Senate would debate an issue, but only 50 senators needed to vote to end the debate and then vote on the legislation. Then enter Aaron Burr. On his way out of government, he said he didn't think the majority party should just get to end debate on an issue with a simple majority. Q, wait for it. <laughs> so they just got rid of the majority. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> so they just got rid of the majority's ability to end debate. So this meant, this is when senators just started talking endlessly because they're like, all right, so if there's no vote, I'm just going to talk endlessly to prevent the vote from happening. But this didn't have as big of an impact at first because there weren't as many senators and they really just got tired. So the idea of like a prolonged filibuster with lots of participants coming, you know, coming in and it's a relay race wasn't really a thing. So now we're going to fast forward all the way to 1917 when some senators didn't want to let Woodrow Wilson enter the First World War. So they tried to stop him by filibustering, aka talking endlessly. Wilson was like, I can't have this. You need to figure something out to the Senate. So the Senate realizes it has to figure out a way to stop this. And it ultimately agrees that a two-thirds vote can end the filibuster. Over time, this has created stalemate after stalemate in the Senate. If you look, it's around 2000 when this started being invoked to basically stop anything from happening. And if you think about it, in modern practice, this means that one third of senators can block legislation from ever coming to a vote and therefore becoming a reality. And when you do the math on how many people Democratic senators represent versus Republican senators right now, we're really talking about a very small group of lawmakers who represent a very small portion of the American population and very small proportion of American interests blocking legislation that would truly benefit every single one of us. So tomorrow, Caitlin and I, I haven't told her this, but I'm sure she has a lot of information about it, are going to discuss <laughs> how the filibuster was used in the Jim Crow era. It really, Obama, Barack Obama has called this a Jim Crow relic, and there are some really interesting cases of how it was used there. It doesn't have a history of uh, being a particularly productive thing. And every time Democrats are, I feel like the past year as Democrats approach taking back the Senate, we have had this sort of debate among ourselves mm -hmm. that we have returned to as we're looking for ways to use our majority to pass legislation. And that mm -hmm. seems to be nearly impossible without doing something that will appear rather dramatic, mm -hmm. like getting rid of the filibuster. I remember when, um, I don't know if Bernie, but... Definitely Elizabeth Warren, when she was running for president, was like, I'm going to yes. get rid of the filibuster. Like, that was one of her commitments. We so, have to. Why? It doesn't make any sense. No. Like, I, when we do British news, sometimes I'll explain, like, a funny thing that they do over there. And it's like, oh, they have this scepter. And if the scepter <laughs> gets taken away, no one's allowed to talk. And then we laugh because of how silly that is. This is that silly. Yeah. 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 But so much more consequential. So, much so more the the minority party can just they can just talk and talk and talk and talk, and until they get sleepy, nothing gets done. It makes no sense. And to be clear, this obviously isn't in the Constitution because that's ridiculous. I don't think that no, senators it's wanted that. It's very silly. 
it's quite silly. It's amazing that it is even a question, but it also has the effect of it's pretty politically beneficial for a lot of people because Republicans get credit for not letting a progressive agenda pass and progressives or Democrats they don't have to necessarily they can blame the filibuster for why they didn't get things done you know mm-hmm. some some maybe moderate democrats that represent areas that maybe you know are on the fence about the affordable care act they can say well i tried but i couldn't get it done because of the filibuster and then their constituents that support them say well they tried and they couldn't do it and the constituents that don't support broader access to healthcare could say well i can reelect them because they didn't do it anyway it's really an easy not having to do your job is like and having yeah. a good excuse is an excellent way to get reelected. Yeah. And That's how a lot of people do. And I mean, it's a true, like what, um, what you were saying about Mitch McConnell, that he actually prefers, it's so much easier to stop other people from doing shit than actually doing shit yourself or not doing shit, you know what I mean? And being the one- I mean, that's how the Republicans ended up with like all the levers of government and they couldn't fucking pass anything because they didn't even have a bill to write. And that's what's so absurd is like, we're talking about budget reconciliation. They used budget reconciliation to pass their tax bill. And they tried to use budget reconciliation to repeal the Affordable Care Mm -hmm. Act. Like they did so much with budget reconciliation that was going to wreck this. Like <laughs> they also eliminated the filibuster for um, Supreme Court nominees. Democrats a while ago eliminated it for certain appointees. Lower Harry Reid lo- eliminated it for lower court judges, I think, because they were filibustering yes. all of the fucking judges that Obama put up there. There was it was called the nuclear option. It was very dramatic at the time, but there was no choice, and I, I feel like that's where we're at now. Yes, yeah. and I'm a person that's pretty like. I'm I'm actually somewhat persuaded by by arguments about, you know, making sure the minority has a voice, just I don't know, maybe just having inherited trauma. I'm like I can totally see a situation uh-huh, where the majority uh-huh. is tricked and uh-huh. there is no way to stop them and terrible things happen and they come for people they don't like. Uh-huh. But a lot of as I've been thinking about this, I think the most likely route for that to happen in the United States is because the, our democracy is so weird and broken and it the people that have the most support are not the ones elected. So I've now convinced myself that if we get rid of the filibuster and then push through democratic reforms, we mm-hmm. will be safe from that kind of like tyranny yeah. of the majority. Mm-hmm. That's where I've landed. But it's, it's, I think a lot of a uh, narrative around this I've heard is it's so much, it's so much harder to take things away from people. So let's bust through the filibuster, pass all of these policies yes. and let Republicans explain why they want to get rid of them. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's a, a great strategy that yes. they should definitely do is like, yeah, let's pass, let's pass socialized health care. Let's pass all this shit and then let Republicans take it away. They couldn't take away Obamacare and it's whack. Yes, let's exactly. pass some good shit. Let's pass some shit that's going to bring a bunch of jobs and like whatever. <laughs> this, everything AOC wants, let's pass it. And then let's see these motherfuckers try to take it away. They can't. They can't do anything except for inside a riot. That's going to yeah. kill five people. The lawmakers didn't even do that. They couldn't even. They, they couldn't even do that. They, they just let it happen. That. They couldn't even stop that. Right. Dumbasses. Yeah, so we'll be seeing a lot more about this and even the possibility of getting rid of it with these two Democratic senators. Um, I don't know what their motivation is. You know, Joe Manchin says it's just good to have. The effect of, of obviously bipartisan legislation is good. And mm-hmm. is typically better and stronger. And mm-hmm. like, 
theoretically, having a lot of parties means competition of ideas and you do get better legislation, but I think it's pretty clear that's not where we're at. It's pretty clear. No, the other party needs to shape up. They're not coming. They're not coming correct. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. That could be the whole episode. Looking all crazy, foaming at the mouth. We're like, we can't work with you. Yeah. (laughs) Take a week. Calm down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They had the, they were in control and look what happened. Right. In control and look what happened. We are being very generous by giving them some time to cool off and come around and like, yeah, come correct. Yeah, yeah exactly. they don't deserve Take it. Take a nap. <laughs> put, put, splash some water on your face. <laughs> I mean, they're off. just like double downing on QAnon. Like they're not even learning lessons. They're not no. even learning lessons. Mm-mm. They're just double downing on QAnon. Now Fox News is talking about QAnon every, like QAnon theories every day. Like, they're not gonna learn and and what and like whatever that's on them that's their consequences right everything we talked about at the beginning of the show and then through this just shows they have not learned they haven't learned from their own lives being at risk but tomorrow will be a week into the administration and then we're gonna start bullying democrats no, we won't <laughs> yeah, bully them we 100%. Don't, we'll apply some pressure we'll apply some pressure until the end of democracy i'm amanda duberman i'm elise morales and millie tamaras and this is the betches up podcast the Betches Sup podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Our podcast director is Sean Kilby. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.